Hello, Cyclocross friends, and thanks for tuning in to episode 278 of Cyclocross Radio. This is a media pit episode talking about the Fayetteville World Cup and C1. And it's uh, Michael and Zach taking the reins. I'm in Europe right now. One of the reasons that this is coming out late is they recorded last Friday, sent me the files uh, as I was on my way to Tabor and did not get good uh, Wi-Fi as it's called here uh, in the Czech Republic and um, uh, wasn't able to download those files. So I just got to edit it on our way back and I'm posting it today. So I know that the next World Cup already happened, but it's a good conversation those guys had on Fayetteville, and I thank them for doing that. So uh, give it a listen, and we'll try to get back on track this week. One thing I do want to note, uh, Michael talks about filming the Cyclocross television episodes in uh, this this uh, media pit, and that's possible. We can do that because of people subscribing to the bulletin and also becoming members of the Wide Angle Podium Network. So by you doing that, by you uh, subscribing to the bulletin, by you becoming a member of the Wide Angle Podium, we're able to do things like have the only video coverage of a C1 race, which uh, Michael is able to accomplish. But to do that, we have to get him there and, you know, pay him for his time. And that's that's what we did. And it, it's because of your contribution. So if you're not already subscriber, Substack, well, cxhairs.substack.com or wideanglepodium.com. All right, I'm going to hand the, hand the podcast over to Michael and Zach. They do a great job, good conversation, and we'll see you on the next one. We are back in the media pit. This is weird. This is so weird. (laughs) I'm not Bill, but you're Michael. I'm Michael, and you're Zach. How's it going? How are you doing this morning? Uh, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. We are doing a special uh, World Cup Fayetteville episode here early on Friday morning, just to peek behind the curtain. Typically, we record Tuesday nights, uh, but Bill is in Europe. Uh, he was at Kermit Kermit's Cross. I'm sure that it's not called. I'm always tempted to call it Kermit's Cross. I don't know about you. I'm always I'm always tempted by the Ardui. Okay, you know, it's a fun little word. Yeah, so we each have our own little part that we uh, we enjoy saying. So he's in Europe. The Six Hairs Devo team is in Europe for an ice blocker racing. Uh, we've got some other junior U23 riders who are over there with the Eurocross Academy. Uh, so we'll be seeing some content from Bill from uh, World Cup Tabor coming up this weekend. Um, but he was unable to make it. So, Michael, we're going to have to try to do this. And, you know, I was thinking about this before we started the show. This weekend was really all about historic performances for North American male cyclocross. And I think this might be the first episode of CX Hairs Radio, of Cyclocross Radio, that Bill's not on. So this is a historic episode. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to have to, I don't know, put in a put in quite a performance, put in a Bruner level performance. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So we'll, we'll play the group. Uh, and then we'll we'll be able to uh, attack at a key opportune moment and then carry it to the end and put together a good show. That's what you're saying, right? 
Yeah. Okay. So you were you were in Fayetteville. Um, that was super dope that you were able to go. Um, kind of a return to the scene of the World Championships. Um, you know, memorable event that we were able to attend back in uh, January and February of last year. Uh, so what was it like? What was it like going back to the scene of Worlds? Because um, it was fun. Worlds was awesome. It was such a cool event. What was it like going back? Well, it was first, I mean, it was great. Vibes are good. I was happy to be back there. Uh, we had nice weather. Uh, well, nice for me. Uh, it was dry, relatively warm. Um, and, you know, I guess it's it was it was good for me in the shuttling back and forth to the hotel because we literally at the base of the mountain. In fact, on Friday, Thursday night, I got into our hotel and I flew a drone from my hotel to the venue. And I was like, oh, scoping out the course. Like I spotted a new course change. I thought I was like, you know, dropping like, you know, dropping some knowledge on everybody. And Bill's like, yeah, yeah, they changed that for the USAC people. I was like, all right, cool. Bill, Bill already knows, of course. But I mean, there was the thing was like there wasn't a lot of people there. So it was a lot easier to move around, um, which makes it easier to film like on, on Fridays when I was doing the CXTV um, Sunday, more people, but not quite as many as worlds, you know a little bit underwhelming in terms of numbers. I think that they had a lot of leftover uh, food and drink maybe in the VIP section. <laughs> yeah, as you know, for doing my race reporting, I went back and I watched uh, some highlights from a couple of the races at Worlds. And one of my big takeaways is just how many people were there. I mean, we were there. And we're like, there's a lot of people here. <laughs> and just going back and thinking about Worlds and just how for that one one weekend, at least, the crowd showed up and it was it was incredible. Um, but, you know, at the same time, it's a big venue. There's a lot of open space. Uh, the big kind of like, you know, the vistas coming off of the, um, the hill, the stairs to nowhere, <laughs> coming off the stairs to nowhere. It lend itself to like great visuals if there were thousands of people kind of down right. in that valley there. And at Worlds, they were there. Um, they changed up the course a little bit. But, you know, just at places like that, if you didn't have the 40, 20 people deep or whatever, it probably didn't look as sick it probably looked a little bit empty because there's kind of a lot of open space to be filled there yeah and i thought that that was interesting in terms of covering the race especially so sun, friday I, I did video of the uh the c1 races did the cx series tv and then sunday i was just doing photos and i kind of was thinking about that that like well yeah world cup you could you could you could fill out your shot with a ton of people and it was really cool and you got some great stuff on the you know after the stairs um, but um, but Sunday th there was such less people. I sort of was like going to the woods and looking for sort of like shots where the foregrounds were obscured with by trees and leaves because there weren't people to fill those edges. Um, so it kind of it definitely was a different you know feel to it, and uh, it kind of changed the way I looked at the course and the venue that way. Ah uh, yes, yes. I was uh, hanging out with a friend of all things cyclocross, Jeremy Blade Pashkin from uh, Nice Bikes last night. We were talking about photography and the old, you know, two people ruins a photo, but twenty people makes a photo. And so you had a exactly. similar thing trying to go to the woods. Yeah. You're like, well, if I have one guy or one person in my photo, it's going to suck. So I need to like get zero people in my photo, or yep. I need a massive crowd in my photo. Yeah. Uh, so. 
Yeah. So uh, course changed a little bit. You know, I think we were pretty used to the world's course. People had their opinions on it. I mean, obviously, it produced great racing at the world championships. We had a lot of tight finishes. Spoiler alert, it did again this weekend. Um, but planks, I think that's probably story number one. So also talking to Jeremy, there were, for the USAC races, my understanding, two sets of planks on the course. Did you peep the second set of planks? No, I didn't. I missed. I was in the hotel all day Saturday editing. I didn't even get out. Um, I was staying with Bruce, our friend Bruce Buckley, and he got out and shot some USAC races. But I, he didn't tell me there was another set of planks. Um, yeah, I think the the new ones were. I think it's a good addition to that course. I think that the planks came right before you essentially descend down what I'm calling like the, the bunny slope, the slope sort of serpentine twisty turns before you go up the climb to the power line climb. So I think that pre- prevent provided a spot to sort of like, cause you were fighting for that first wheel to get into that left-hand turn downhill. So if you could take advantage there, of course, in the men's race, everyone is bunny hopping them. They're pretty low. We did see one, Actually, that that weekend, this weekend, we saw a few passes on on the C one. You saw Inga try to pass Clara um, in the men's race, the World Cup. You saw Tune and Ellie rub shoulders, and then you know you saw Fem make an attack there in the World Cup race on Wednesday. So I thought it was a good addition. I thought it kind of made, you know, the course is. I I sort of was thinking about this last night, like my thoughts on the course, and I kind of gone back and forth, and it's like. I think it's too short. I wish there was more to it. Um, there's plenty of room there, but I think that was a it was that was another moment to break up the course. There's not there's not there's a few spots where you can break it up, but when it's dry and hard and fast like that, you don't have those elements that take you off the bike or add a little bit of physical challenge to it to separate the race. So I think it was a good addition. So you're saying the the descent though, bunny slope, not not a black diamond not uh what do, do you ski i don't <laughs> ski what is that like i used to i used to snowboard so yeah, what are the so what are the easy hills like well it's it's like mountain biking it's green and then you have blue and then you have the black diamond yeah you have like blue squares and then green i can't remember triangles um yeah well so that i mean that's a good point that you make that i think that you listen to the riders talk about it and there's really kind of two at least Uh, maybe even one you know the one that eric talked about was being in the lead for that descent like you wanted to be first going into that descent we saw if you were more skilled that you could make up time um you know i think it was brand was just railing it uh in the elite women's race and picking up time when van ample was getting gaps on there and then there's that weird kind of after the climb after pit one the, the the weird humps, the one where right. um, Femme Van Ample got burned in the U23 women's race, I think, or got stuck uh, last year I at Worlds. I think we're calling those the berms. The berms. Okay, so was that the berms? So that's the front, so front berm and then back berm. This is the terminology that uh, Bruce and I came up with when I was editing the video. So I wanna, I'm gonna, I'm trying to make that work. I'm trying to, the berms. Okay, so is that the front berm? Is that the first time through? That's the the but front berm, yeah. Was it super decisive at all? I didn't really, I mean, it didn't even it didn't even register that that was occurring to me watching the race at that feature this time. Yeah. I think because it was, I think it was just too dry. I mean, I think, I think they also, they brought up the sort of the inside tape. So they used to have it farther down. So you had to go farther down and they made it a little more technical. 
I think I noticed uh, Jens Decker pointed that out in his sort of course recap. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's true. That is a little different spot there. Um, I actually, I like, I mean, considering the considering the way the course and the elevation and everything is flat, there's like not a lot of off camber. I do like those elements. So I just think that it's it's one of those things where like if it was wet, you know, it rained on Saturday night. And like if it had rained a lot and stayed muddy, like that might have been different. But there in this, this conditions, it was just actually the rain made the course better and faster because it was so dry on Friday that like they it, it gave him a little more grip on Sunday, um, but it did not make anything slippery. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think that that makes sense why it wasn't notable is that apparently it was taped higher and if it's taped higher it becomes that less uh technical and i mean if there is a critique of this course uh you know there was a lot of group racing that you would like to see a few more pinch points and you have those berms and those were an opportunity and really a key feature in the world championships race you had riders in groups talk about sprinting to get to that feature first uh so to decide to take it out uh, a little bit of a questionable decision so the, the other planks were uh you kind of you know i guess well before we get there before we get to the planks the uh the famed the ski slope was gone <laughs> it was like uh, watching the first lap uh, of the world cup i was like oh they they took a right at the top of the stairs of nowhere and not a left you know that that feature right. which i think they did on friday with you know the the iconic feature where people were tail whipping and and stuff like that so it kind of they took a right so they took away the ski slope did you get any intel into why that's a weird decision it seemed like so so i well I mean, we know bill bill was speaking to the gentleman from fayetteville and he was talking to bill was sort of expressing his i you know how he'd like to see that and uh the guy said that they had some changes um underway i heard a rumor and i don't think this is real that like they the uci said they were going too fast and so they had to change it down the hill. I, I feel like that's not correct. I feel like this is just what they decided to mix it up. And I think once again, had it been wet, it might have been a little bit better. I was thinking, I was watching the race last night, and like they go, they go right, and they kind of come back around. They join at the bottom of the slope. I was like, if they kind of went down and then came like back up again, and then made a right turn down the slope, that could have been pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, it seemed like a non in the race. It didn't seem like it changed much. Yeah, and and the the ski slope off the stairs to nowhere really didn't change anything. It was just I felt like I mean, right, a lot of the iconic photos at Worlds were from that feature. Yeah. <laughs> but also there were a lot right. of people there and people were tail whipping and stuff like that, but I think that's, you know, a feature that you remember. It kind of they take that left turn and if you're up there, the photos with them kind of like looking out over the crowd. So, so anyway, the barriers, the other barriers were on that long straightaway coming back to pit two, like where there's kind of like some rollers, the really nondescript, like 30 feet wide. Yep. You probably didn't yeah. take photos of it. I never took photos of no. it at Worlds. No. But like they put like it was probably 20 foot wide, 20 foot wide barriers. <laughs> Just this <laughs> one long plank. I saw a picture of it. It was like that is a that is like a mega barrier, you know? Like not your Why typical you... 10 foot wide planks. It was like a plank that just kept going. You got to keep the Zach McDonald's honest of the world, you know, <laughs> like you can't have anybody going around. You got to make extra long planks. I'm just wondering, like, why you add additional planks for the USAC race? I mean, they maybe they cut out some of the other course. We're going to delay them by 1.2 seconds by putting in planks. Yeah. 
Um, all right. As a as a as a as an amateur cross rider, I gotta admit, like I I don't like the barriers. Um, and whenever we do like practice courses and like design courses, people are always like, "All right, where are you putting the barriers?" And I'm like, "Do we need to have barriers?" <laughs> uh, I was yeah talking with Jeremy. He, I, I just got to get this in there. He's like, if we're going to put barriers, let's go all in. He's like, more barriers. So he's like right. the anti, anti-Bodhi. Uh, all right, so that's enough about the we'll court. We'll put, put three in a row. Uh, we've seen that before. Put- yeah, the triple barrier. The the vaunted, famed triple barrier. Uh, so uh, we've talked a lot about the course. Uh, let's get to the racing. Uh, we'll start with... Um, I'll let you do uh, Friday Corner because you know it wasn't televised except for for v- your video. So we had a C one race, kind of Friday afternoon uh, race, and Elite Women's Race brought out some some of the bigger names. You know, we talk about typically at uh, the Trek CX Cup that that race is the one where the the odd lion pulls the straw and has to race for the men, and it's kind of a mixed bag for the women. But this one we had some of the some of the hitters. Uh, who would also play a role in in Sunday's race uh, in that field? Yeah, so Friday the C one, um, you know, it was it was interesting. Yeah, we were going to see like who was going to line up and who of the Europeans was going to line up, and we had a strong American contingent, um, Claire Hansinger on the line, but we had Inga, we had Helene, um, Monenbacher, kind of the big Euro names were there. Um, but dry, super dry, very dusty. Um, whole shot, Helene Clazel. Like she just like Friday and Sunday is going for it. She's going to get out there and get in the front. Um, the other person who we often see go hard at the front is Inga Vandeheide, and she often fades. Um, but this is a race where she really kind of like held on to that, like kept it out there, like kept the stick down. Um, she, at one point, I think Clara had to bring the group back. Um, and then Inga attacked up, I've been calling it power line climb. I forgot that on the venue it's electric Avenue. I mean, I guess I I was wondering about that. There's a power line, but the American cycling already has a power line climb. And I just felt like that would be unfair. And I've been avoiding calling it that just because I'm afraid that some mountain biker is going to jump into my mentions and be like, brah, like that is just blatant, you know? I'm okay being accused of ripping off this and that and every other thing that I borrow from people, but I just don't know if I want to venture into to doing doing that. What's the name of that ro- that race? Uh, isn't it Leadville? Isn't it? Isn't Leadville, it's at it, Leadville. Right. Yeah, okay. yeah. So, so I call the power line climb. It's Electric Avenue. Okay. <laughs> Whatever. You know, Inga puts an attack there. Um, the group chases her back. You know, Claire is looking super strong, um, but at some point. So we have Celine, we have Clara, we have Inga. At some point, uh, Celine disappears. And I was like super bummed because like I'm there filming, I'm trying to catch a story. I miss a big story element. Celine just pulls off in the pits. We don't know what happened. She didn't have a mechanical. The, the, the sort of reporting I got was she just pulled off, stopped, started talking to her mechanics. My assumption, because she started on Sunday and didn't seem to... I mean, she started fine uh, until her mechanical, was that she... I think, this is my assumption, is that it was a little too hard for a Friday race. And she was thinking, you know what? (laughs) You know, let let the American, let Clara have this. uh, Let Inga go for it. I'm just going to save my energy for Sunday. Um, 
so it's shaping up to be a pretty good battle between Inga and Clara. If you go back to CXTV, you see the great inside pass that Inga does on Clara going down to the bunny slope. Um, foot out, flat out. Um, Clara comes around, or you see, you hear Stephen hide in the background, like, don't let her do that to you. Um, go to the finish, and I'm standing there, like, at Stonehenge, and, um, just, just Inga comes through. And then it's, and then it's Helene, and then Manon, and I'm like, what happened to Clara? And I'm bummed because I think I missed it again. Um, so after the race, Clara comes through, she gets fourth. After the race, I'm talking to the photographers, and um, Kai Caddy is a guy out of uh, Arkansas. He has a photo. He's like, oh, yeah, Clara fell at the back end of Stonehenge. And he's got this photo of Inga dabbing, like, right next to this pink helmet on the ground. So I think what happened was, then I got reporting from Snowy Mountain that apparently Clara just made a mental mistake and crashed. She's like, totally my fault. Just kind of like, I mean, it was super dry and dusty and those back turns and she just, I think she slipped out and uh, that was kind of it and uh, took her out of the race and Inga held on for the win. I mean, congrats to Inga, big C1 win. Um, like I said, known for going out hard, but sort of fading at the end and and stuck the landing on this one. So congrats to her. So it's one of those situations where the dry conditions create almost like not mud but definitely a different kind of of terrain or whatever and it ends up playing a difference i mean those are never fun never fun to race on a, a dry dusty race and it seems like that fayetteville course is really good at the extremes it's good at being really wet in a bog and that heavy thick red mud that we saw uh, at the world cup last year or it can be really dry and it can have kind of like treachery like that uh that ends up influencing the race uh, but yeah, just just a slippery. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a good course for Inga Vanderheiden. It's not too surprising. Um, I think that you know she's one of those riders who's always been one of the strongest women in the field. You know, strong road racer. Uh, and we're still looking for. You know, I think her technical skills are starting to catch up, and she's starting to become a more technical rider. But you know, a course like this, very much a power course, open, uh, not necessarily super technical. Uh, or you know, she also will do well in like tractor poles so if it had been super super muddy maybe she had also would have done uh done well in that race so yeah and it looks like a kind of interesting uh moment there for you know clara fades back and she had to uh out sprint austin killips who had a really nice result finishing in fifth so i would imagine for austin that was probably you know a little unexpected but for a little bit um you know, to sprint it out with with Clara at the end there. So kind of a interesting, interesting dynamic, um, you know, taking place for the the wide angle podium in that race from the uh, American racers. Yeah, sorry, Austin, that uh, for your your sprint with Clara got cut from the video as we were trying to keep the to keep it short. But yeah, there was a little bit last the last lap. There's a last story was was Austin uh, closing in on Clara, I think who had crashed and was just sort of gathering herself and just trying to finish the race. And um, yeah, good little good little sprint at the end there. So it wasn't at Stonehenge in like the last two seconds of the race. It was a little bit before that is it was it was the so going into one to go. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, so you were at the finish going into one to go. It wasn't at the finish. Okay. So we had a whole lap that they kind of like were able to be right. in and so yeah, one to, going into one to go, I was actually standing at Stonehenge, and that's in the video. And I literally was just, if I would have moved, you know, 30 meters to the left, I would have caught the crash. Okay. All right. <laughs> just missed it. Yeah. Uh, so then moving over to uh, the men's race, uh, 
looked like it was another another group race or we had a, a decent sized group and really in this weekend of of american results curtis white getting on the podium lander lander locks took the win timon Rook second but curtis white was up there finished in third place in you know in a field that had a bunch of euros and we had some your vandaputas your borosh your tis Ertz, your tone vandabosh i mean that's a pretty legit field and third place for curtis not bad no, I think it was a great result. It was a, it was a really fun race to watch him in that in that second group there. Um, once again, you know, very fast, very dry, dusty, big group racing. Um, we had Brunner at the front at one point, showing flashes of what he was going to do on Sunday. And once again, important story element. I missed it. Brunner crashes somewhere and goes from front to not even the mix. I think he creates the gap. Lander and Timon go. And then there's a group of, what, four or five chasing for the last podium spot. Um, we got to interview Curtis afterwards. And I, I sort of noted this was like I was watching him race that entire race, did not put his nose in the front at all. Was just was like even soft pedaling at some points just to make sure he stayed in the back. And I was like, he's racing tactical. He's going to win it. He's going to sit in and wait for the sprint. And it's kind of interesting to watch um, – those, those 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 two sprints for first between Lander and Timon, Lander wins it, and then Curtis, you know, in his group for third versus what happened on the World Cup on Sunday. But both of those guys let out their sprints. Um, but Curtis had a strong ride at Fayetteville at the World Championships. Sort of knew how to handle that last section and decided to sit in and then kind of attack two or three turns before to get the gap going into that start finish. And he held off the group fairly, uh, fairly well finishes third on the podium. Um, yeah. Fantastic result. Uh, I mean, we talked about with the women's race, it being too hard, but you know, in Sunday's race, Curtis wasn't kind of there. So maybe, maybe he went a little too hard. Maybe Brunner benefited from his misfortune. I don't know. Right. You know, like, is <laughs> yeah. it like, you know, yeah, you want to do well, but if it's, you know, more intense than you're expecting, maybe, you know, silver lining. Because uh, let's be honest. I mean, yeah, Curtis finished third. And if uh, if Bruner had not done his thing, we'd be like, yeah, that's a great result. Look at Curtis doing the C1. But then like Bruner did his thing. And did, did, did anyone even remember that Curtis finished third in this race? Not really. <laughs> let's be honest. Let's be honest. <laughs> so. Damn you, Eric, doing your thing on Sunday. Um, all right. Well, cool. That's awesome. Michael, uh, you did a great job on those, you know, cyclocross television episodes. I think it's a treat whenever you're able to to get to do, do those. I mean, the ones that you've been putting together on a tight timeline have been super great. I mean, the ones at Pan Ams last year were awesome. The ones from Nationals were awesome. It's like it seems to be a recurring theme that you're starting to to kind of get those little recap videos kind of dialed. Right, yeah. I mean, it, it was it was straight all Friday night, Saturday night. I mean, I, I finished the men's race Sunday at like 10 and like was heading to the venue with my laptop in hand, finishing things up. Um, so, yeah. And uh, look, Zach, we're, we're going to Pan Am's in, in a few weeks. I don't know what their plan is, um, if they're live stream or not, but maybe I'll make another video there. Big news. Big news. Uh, Bodie and I learned that the car rental industry is way nicer than the airline industry. 
the airline industry kind of sucks. <laughs> uh, but we made the changes. And by changes, I mean, we bought new tickets because we per- literally we were like putting it off. And like two days before the announcement, we're like, all right, we're doing tickets. And I know in both of our cases, we thought about doing a refundable. You know, you pay the extra 30 bucks or whatever. We're like, oh, we're just going to go to really rad. They're not going to do they do Pan Ams on a Saturday. Oh, no, no. They schedule it on a Friday. Uh, we decided we're doing it uh, for the people. Bodie, we're doing this for the people. Uh, so if Indeed. if you like the coverage that Bodie's been you know, providing, sign up for the CX Airs Bulletin. Become a member of the Wide Angle Podium supporting this podcast because uh, we need the money. We're, we're, we, we, we changed our flights. Right. Yeah, we're yeah. doing it. it wasn't I'm excited. Yeah. So little segue there. Yeah. Little promo, little plug. I'm sure Bill will put one on here too to, to support what we do. But I mean, you heard what Bodie does. It's not a vacation. None of these are vacations for us. We stay up to the wee hours of the morning, you know, finishing up our stuff right before we go to the venue to do it all over again. So, uh, but we're, we're weird and we love doing it. That's the weird part, right? We're like, ah, we're going on a trip. Ah, it's fun. We'll go to Fayetteville. What are you going to do? Work till 2 a.m. <laughs> I did ride briefly on Saturday night. Like I brought my bike. I said we're so close to the venue. So we're sitting there editing. Bruce is editing his photos. I'm editing video. And I was like, Bruce. I got to go for a ride. I got to take a break. And so I just like take my bike and I ride up to the venue, the main entrance, and I'm riding my cross bike. And I'm like, holy crap, this is the steepest. It's like 15% to get up into the venue parking lot. And I was like, I don't know why I'm doing this. This is like a little harder than I wanted to just like jump on your bike and hit 15%. But there's a trail, there's a mountain bike trail that goes from like a parking lot back down to the access road. So I rode that on my cross bike, very fun. And then I did it again. I started two loops of like up the pitches, down the mountain bike trail. And that was my my little 25 minute bike ride uh, in between video edits. It was fun. I'm glad I brought my bike. I saw it on Strava. I was wondering what that was. <laughs> so thank you for clarifying <laughs> for me what you were doing. All right. We got the World Cups. That's what y'all came here for. Uh Elite women's race, you know, we were coming off World Cup Waterloo. I think the big story coming, I mean, there are a couple stories coming out of that one. You had uh, Femme Van Empel winning, you know, the sprint, doing the thing, beating uh, Celine Alvarado and Lucinda Brand, who are, you know, two last lap, like they're known for doing last lap things, last lap magic. And Femme Van Empel, super young, 20 years old or whatever, is just like, yeah, I'm good. I'm just going to beat you all and then beat you in the sprint. Uh, and, They were back at it. Uh, Tactical racing, uh, you know, groups at the front. But I guess one of the unfortunate stories here was Alvarado had mechanical issues a couple of times. She had a drop chain. It seemed like she was dealing with that, came back, and then it dropped again. And then she was just kind of like popped off the back. So that's kind of a bummer. Uh, I know we've all wanted to see primetime be back. Uh, So hopefully, like you said, it was just a mechanical thing and that it's not indicative of where her fitness is. Right. And I, and I, I, I double checked. She can't blame it on SRAM. Okay. Cause that's usually what people do. People usually blame it on SRAM. Right. I think so. Pim. So in the men's race, Pim Ronhar's chain broke at the start. I believe they're on SRAM, but, um, cause Denise dropped her chain. Celine dropped her chain. They're both on Shimano rocking those Dura, Dura A's. Uh, so yeah, Celine, and I got, got, I actually got a shot of this because, you know, the, the first lap, 
They go down the bunny slope. They come up Electric Avenue, and every, all the photographers. I think you sent a screenshot, Zach, of all the photographers. <laughs> I did. I was like, on that the, was hilarious on the live stream. And I, I don't like going there. First of all, because everybody's already there, and I realized that you could sort of, when they come up the top, you could they turn left under that bridge. If you stay there, you can get a great shot of them coming up that last little rise. And so I would. That's where I was at that in the first lap, and. I'm shooting the front group and all I, I pan to the right to the pits and there's Alvarado doing the cyclocross bend, adjusting her chain. And I was like, Oh no. And she just, you know, she, you watched her drop out of the, the main pack, but yeah, a shame to see. Um, but not Stram's fault. Uh, so, I mean, I guess kind of the story for me starting this race is, uh, during the pandemic season, we got really used to um, kind of at the the peak of the anti-Betsema sentiment here in North American cyclocross. Uh, Denise Betsema just like blast off the front and we had to deal with that. And it was like, could riders withstand that early attack uh, and bring her back or would she just stay away? Uh, we, we saw that again. It was kind of a blast from the past. It was like a rewind uh, to two, two years ago where she just kind of went for it at the beginning. So um, some folks have suggested this. Are we are we starting to see team tactics from the women's sauces now? You know, that's I don't you know, we always like we want to we want to call it team tactics. I, I has to be because the way that they rode was that that first half of the race, Femme didn't touch the front at all. She was marking brand. She was marking worst. But when Denise would go off the front, she's like, she's, you know, not chasing, letting gaps open. Although at the end of the race, we did see Denise chase, kind of sort of try to try and bridge up to Van, em- uh, Van Empel and Brand. So maybe, you know, what's good for the goose is, I don't know, like it doesn't like one of them is into it because they're the the youngster and, and the other one is like, yeah, but if you're out the front, I'm going to chase you down. Um yeah. Okay, so maybe maybe not team tactics. Maybe she was just trying to. That was her move. I mean, I think that in these fields that have a lot of riders, like how does Betsima win? I think that we're seeing where, as it comes down the stretch, she's good for third. You could count on her to maybe finish third, but we haven't seen in the bigger races her have the ability to like find ways to win late in the race because you still have Brand, you have Van Empel emerging, you have Puck Petersa, you know, these other riders who are showing that they have the ability to win races late. So maybe, uh, maybe that was, that was her plan. Um, she also, you know, ran into some troubles. Your guy, uh, as a flashback to your boy, David Haverdings, on like the one hard corner of the entire course. <laughs> And she dropped a chain there. It was like the one hard corner, right? On the the bunny slope, there's that one kind of steeper downhill right-hand turn that was pretty rutted this time around. You know, Haverdings crashed there in the junior men's race at the World Championships. And Betsimo was with the leader. Lene Berkier crashed there as well. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, So, Betsimo was with Van Empel and Brand, and she kind of crashed out of the group. So, uh, because I think it was like the three of them. If I'm not mistaken, and then she kind of like fell off, and so then it was back to being uh, Brand yep. and Van Empel, and she was never really able to to recover from that. Yeah, no, she she, I think the, the amount of effort she had to, to sort of like bridge back up to that group, which is interesting because she brings. I think I made a note here. She brings, yeah, Denise drops her chain. Femme and Brand are off. 
team tactics, you know, is she going to wait? No, she charges back towards them, brings worst up to that front group. And then, she, and then, you know, she doesn't, she gets fourth, you know, wor- she brings worst up to a podium position. It's just like, okay. I mean, I don't know. doesn't seem like the smartest thing to do, but I'm just on the couch. Yeah, so. See what I'm saying? She's good for a third or fourth p- place. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, we didn't talk specifically about the planks and where they were. Uh, so, although it is the bunny slope, it's kind of like they do a mini slope and they go down to like a quarter of the way down the hill, a fifth of the way down the hill. And then they kind of come back a little bit because there's a bridge. They build a bridge. There's a nice culvert. And me as a water resources guy, there's this like giant, like 10 foot, you know, corrugated metal culvert. That's a bridge. So there's an incline coming out of the planks. And we've talked about this a million times on the, uh, the media pit that planks can be, it's like Tabor. We're going to Tabor. It's like very Taborian in terms of where the planks were because they kind of lead into an uphill and spoiler alert that you know creates a huge advantage if you can check notes, bunny hop the barriers. Femme Van Empel, you know, spoiler, you may have heard. I don't know if you've heard this, Mike. Mike, have you heard that she used to play soccer? Okay. All right. Yeah, you've yeah, probably heard that. You probably heard that. that. Um, but, you know, she didn't necessarily come up in cycling the way like a Puck Petersa has or some of these other young women who are uh, be- hopping the planks. Uh, but she's kind of gotten with the program and added that to her arsenal this offseason. And she was able to use it to her advantage. So in the penultimate lap, uh, she's with Brand and she hops the planks and gets like, she gets a fast gap. Like that was four or five seconds, like right away. Um, you know, kind of tipping her hand a little bit. But Brand had to like really just bomb that descent uh, to to catch back up. So this was not... Not decisive in that moment, but it's it's a new thing, and it definitely created this interesting dynamic going into the last lap. That like you knew Van Empel was going to hop the planks, and it was going to create an advantage. Yeah, I, I think it's the you know we I remember two years ago when Van Alphen Vanique Van Alphen hopped the barriers and and won the race at the start of the season. Bacher was with her and. We talked about like, does it like you can hop the barriers, but like, how does it, does it actually, is it actual a tactical advantage? Is it being used in a race when you move? And in this case, close, right? Close. She got a gap. She made brand chase and brand, I got to say was descending the the bunny slope the best. Like she was railing that so hard. So femme gets the gap, but brand catches her. And, you know, I don't know if femme is attacking and then sitting up. Or attacking and then being like, oh, that's a little hard. I actually can't. I can't continue that pace. You know, we saw Waterloo where she sort of attacked before the last few corners and and broke brand. But this is the lap before, you know, this is the penultimate lap. So it was interesting to see, you know, is it like being young and having a lot of energy, like, you know, a lot of power, but not having the endurance that someone like brand has. Um, But it's funny that you say talk about the bear hopping the barriers because I was like, oh, I should go get that photo of Mon and Bakker happened the barriers. And I'm like, Oh wait, fam is doing this. Awesome. Like this is someone great. who matters. Someone who's going to factor in like yeah. the results of this race <laughs> and not just the, did you like that photo? That I sent you. Yes, I, okay. Yeah. One. Yeah. It was the, the key, Michael sent me a photo. He's like, this is the key photo from this race. And I was like, what, what? And then it occurred to me that like, I hadn't watched the race yet. Cause I was at the Chicago cross cup race uh, and then coming home. And it was like that. Oh, Bacher was battling with Clara for like what? Eighth, seventh, eighth place or whatever. <laughs> the key photo. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so we had another great, just another great last lap in this race. I mean, brand new 
you knew, I knew, everyone knew that Van Empel was going to hop the planks. And so Brand astutely kind of went to the front of a, of a group. Uh, I don't know if Betsima had dropped off at that point because she had come forward but you know Anne-Marie Worst was there so it was a group of three they might have been a group of five still at that point Uh, but uh, Worst actually did everyone a solid by moving into second so that put Van Empel in third uh, hopping the planks she comes out of it with like a much smaller gap this time and Brand was able to shut it down like pretty much right away so you know, I, I'm sure they all knew. I'm sure it was like, we need to put her as far back as we did. And it seems like, you know, that was kind of one of the tactical moments of of this race. Brunner talked about it, too. It's like, no one wanted to pull on the long start-finish straight. But you wanted to be first at the end of the start-finish straight. So it's like you had to somehow figure out how to attack right before going off of the pavement into the twisties at the end of the far end of the course, coming back towards the, the planks. And it seems like... In this case, those two, they executed that really well. Like you had to keep Van Ample off the front because we saw in the penultimate lap what she could do hopping the planks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. That was a really good last lap. And I, I, I was watching last night and I feel like you've got to, people should go back and watch that lap again because there was a lot of stuff going on. I mean, I, you know, Van Ample was trying to move up, you know, let's go to the finish, go to the sprint. Like, do you lead it out, you know, on Friday, you know, Lander leads it out, Curtis leads it out. But this race, I mean, we had a bit of a headwind and, you know, Van Empel was trying to get around and get, I think, get to second wheel, but she she got boxed out by worst. And uh, Brand took it on, like at Worlds, into the wind. Van Empel comes from third position um, and, and takes the big win, as, as Bill says, she gave us a couple of different looks for your post-up shots. Like she's like, "What? What do y'all? What do y'all want? You want the tongue out? You want the? You want the the CX fever? You want the hands up? I got them all. Like I'm a youngster, I can give you what you need. Pick a look. I'm serving them. You know, I listen to Brandy talk to her, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm not the best sprinter. Everyone knows this or whatever. I just, I you kind of wonder if at a certain point she just knows that it doesn't matter what she does." You know, because it's a long sprint. There's the lead out, but that sprint just keeps on going. And it is very, very, very long. Uh, You know, at Worlds, she tried the same thing. She tried leading it out, Mariana Vosbeater. I don't know. You'd think maybe you'd mix it up. But, you know, she purposely took over the front because Worst went to the front right before Stonehenge. You know, she was like, hey, I bridged back up. I'm going to make my my presence known here. I'm going to get to the front. Brand's like, oh, I want to be in the front. So she passes her right before the beginning of Stonehenge, uh, but just kind of does the same thing. And I just kind of wonder, I I don't know, you know, like we've all been there. Like you go into this, you're like, I'm going to lose this. Uh, Maybe she felt again that that was her best hope. But, you know, a little deja vu, like making the same, you know, the the definition of insanity, you know, leading it out from the front, kind of ending with the same result. So, I mean, I'm not questioning her. I'm just kind of wondering what her mindset is in situations like that, because it's going to be a tough nut to crack. Like Van Empel has shown that she has the ability to be on her wheel and brand makes those long last lap lap attacks and puts riders under pressure. And Van Empel is just like, I mean, is we're looking at someone who may be like a generational talent that like one, she's able to have the technical skills to like stay with her and two, the physical fitness to stay on her wheel. So it's like brand has to be thinking of like, how do I win these races? And this kid, (laughs) what do I do with this child that, you know, is just an exceptional bike racer. 
Yeah, it's like does I mean can can she win these races? You know, I the only race that I that Brand beat Van Empel, I, I actually haven't watched. Um, and I got a message from our friend Tyler, like you got to you got to go watch this race. I'm really curious about this finish, but it's a race where Brand and Van Empel are sprinting together, and Brand beats her, and Van Empel like sits up and claps. It's sort of an interesting finish. I didn't I didn't actually watch the race, but Jens Decker, you know, posited something kind of interesting on Twitter. He's like are we, you know, with Femme's victory here, like, are we seeing a new generation? Like, is it going to, is like brand done? Like, is worse done, beneath, Denise done in terms of like being dominant riders in the Peloton and have we moved on to Van Ample? Have we moved on to Puck, Blanca Vosh? You know, sort of interesting to think about that. Like, will Alvarado get it back or did her sort of moment, did we just miss it? Because like you said, Van Ample is such a talent. She, most of that race, I mean, she's like nose breathing. I mean, I know she's going, obviously she's going hard, but some people have such a good poker face. And I'm wondering if like, you know, yeah, I- I'm excited for this next, the next few races where we get some like Pauline's coming back, you know, Voss is coming back, Vosh is coming back. When we get all these riders together and you kind of see where does Van Ample stack up against the full elite women's field. But uh, yeah, she she's a talent and I think she needs a nickname. I, I do have, have to one. say, like, you know, I like giving you a hard time when you list stuff off. Like, it's it's always love. But y- you left off the ginger. Was it, Why do you got to cancel the ginger? Oh, you did? I said puck. Oh, damn it. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. My oh, bad. Yeah. My oh. bad. Erase that. <laughs> Bill, edit that out. Um, <laughs> all right. No gingers were canceled. So we need a nickname. Um, okay. Should we work out? Have you come up with? You're the nickname guy. Like, has anything come to mind at this point? Uh, the, I no, I don't know. I mean, poker face. I don't know. She just she's, poker face. I, there's something. Uh, she's smooth on the bike when she sprints. She doesn't move. Okay. I don't know. Like listeners, what do you got? Um, yeah, and like FVE just doesn't big, roll off the the tongue. You know, like yeah. I, I don't yeah. know. It's like even like a, a way to refer to her. It's like the FVE just doesn't have like the the MVDP or the right. I don't know whatever else we might use CDCA for when i'm when i'm taking notes it just doesn't have the same same vibe or whatever so um but you know another another story from from the sprint though is is worst oh, third place not bad you know there was some previous episode we talked about did the plan work coming to america early I, on a whole compared to last year i think she has to be pretty happy with a fifth and a third like that's what she came to do it puts her in a nice position going back into the world cup it's a podium you know uh a race that isn't necessarily one where you're like, this isn't a race where worst is going to win, you know, like you're looking right. for like, you know, last year she won, I think Coke It's like, you're looking for technical races where she can really use her skill set. Um, you know, but that's another thing about Van Empel. Spoil, you know, she just got signed to Yumbo Visma. This is a tac- two tactical races. She's 20 years old not much bike racing experience and sh- her tactics are incredible. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's what I, that's when you, when you brought that up earlier and I was thinking about this watching last night, like she, she, how long did she play soccer? Like how long has she been riding her bike? Yeah. Cause she, she does everything so well. She's bunny hopping, you know, like I said, she technically is staying, you know, she's, she's racing well, racing smart, putting in attacks at good time. She's technically pretty good. We haven't seen like in a big tractor pull mutter. I'm trying to think. Well, so uh, I was writing a story for the bulletin, which will be coming out shortly after we release this podcast. Uh, kind of like the first one that put her on the map 
was the infamous, infamous 2020 Dendermonda, where she finished fourth. And that's where we all realized that please, she played soccer because there was a lot of running, though. There wasn't as much riding, oh, but she had the fourth right. place. And yeah. I don't expect you to remember that. I only remember that because I was literally writing a story last night. So, but I it, like a true mutter because that one was weird that there was a lot of running, uh, you know, in, in that one. Uh, so we'll see. Um, but at the same time, I think that she's just she literally we talked about the the term leveling up. She's literally leveled up every year of her career so far. You know, she started right. uh, raced a little bit as a junior in 2019-20 levels up next year. She's finishing fourth in a World Cup, winning you 23 worlds next year levels up wins two World Cups this year levels up. She's four out of five. Her the F W. The fem winning percentage is 80% right now. Like, not the OPP, you know, no, we're not just talking about the on podium percentage. We're talking about the winning percentage is at 80% right now. Um, so, I mean, I think it's clear that she's just continuing to level up and she's going to be on the world tour starting on January 1 as well. Right. Going to Yumbo Visma. One last thing for me with the men. I just want to say that I'm sort of seeing echoes possibly of. Celine Del Carmen Alvarado's world championship year. She was a little bit, maybe like a year or two older. She was still U23, getting victories at the elite level, deciding to go. She was like, I'm going to race the U23 worlds. Then level, you know, races up, wins worlds. Um, I'm kind of just, you know, shadows of of that of that sort of year season for Femme. Yeah, it's an interesting um, parallel. Uh, I think Alvarado was 21 during that season and she won 16 races so pretty pretty darn good and you know then closed it out by winning the world championship so maybe that's a good that's a good benchmark michael to, for us to watch like does she just continue to win uh this many races but like you said we'll be seeing some more riders uh news that mariana voss is going to race at the european championship so that'll be pretty cool that we're going to get to see you know front provo will be back racing cyclocross which is super exciting uh and did no, Ferran Provost signed with Ineos, correct? Okay. All right. So not teammates, competitors with the uh, the new off-road team. I, it's good to see, right? We've talked about like, are riders going to leave cyclocross? And I think that's one of the fears with Femme Van Empel. But at least right now we're seeing, uh, you know, EF, we're seeing Ineos, we're seeing Yumbo be like, oh, we'll actually support women doing multiple disciplines and we see value in this. So hopefully that trend continues and that, We'll see at least Van Empel race cyclocross for a while. Yeah. Yeah, I have so. All right. The men's race. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this weekend. <laughs> oh, man. How sweet it is. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was, I watched it again last night in that last lap. Again, really good. Go back and watch it. Um, I got to say, Sweek moving to the new team, best thing ever. I love it. It's so good. Like, I made a joke a few episodes ago about, no, I, I like the drama of him on Sauces. But he just seems happy. He just seems, he's in such good shape. And, yeah, I mean, he's doing what he maybe would have done before with, like, less, like, inhibitors. Like, he's just going all out against Sauces. And Mikey V is there. It's, just, it's like the same three guys, but it makes it just that much more dynamic having him in a different uniform. I love yeah, it. I mean, I 
you know, there's this this running joke in a lot of sports of like body language and people have their body language experts or whatever. But and I don't want to do this because I think it's terrible, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to be derivative and do it like his body language is just so much better. I just, it just felt like with the sauces, he was always sulking. You know, he has those broad, sweaty shoulders that always just feel a little, little slumped, a little hunched over, you know, a little like, what am I doing here? Like, I'm not allowed to win. But I still have to race. So I'm supposed to just finish fifth. Like, why am I here? You know, the, the sauce boss gives me the one race of the year. He's like, okay, you can try to win this one, you know? Uh, and now with the new team, they're just like, I'm out here racing my bike. And I'm pretty strong. I mean, he's strong, you know? Like, he's asserted he's himself really strong. well. Uh, you know, even with the climb, you might look at like a van turnout and be like, with the uh, Electric Avenue climb, like, this is a van turnout. But like, Sweck did just fine on that climb. Like, it was perfect for him looks like a happy sweck and uh, you know what they say michael a happy right. racer is a good racer and they may have to just take a picture a picture swagger. of swag and put it in that cliche definition yeah he's got that swaggy and swagger right now um good to see yeah i mean it was that last on last lap i don't know if we want to go blow by blow but that last lap of that climb where ellie that's that's like ellie's spot to go and just seeing Swack just absolutely put himself on the rivet to just stay within close enough contact was whoo, it was nice to see. It was, and his face, oh my God, they both got to the top of the climb running through the pits, looked like they were going to die. Oh, it's so good. So yeah, I mean, good. I think similar to the the women's race where it was like, you knew the planks was going to be a key moment in the last lap. Like Ailey had attacked earlier in the uh in the race when things split apart and i think it was mikey v actually stuck on his wheel and sweck had to chase back so right. like uh you know sweck knew that that's where ailey was going to attack ailey was just going to go ballistic on that climb and sweck to his credit was just like i'm on your wheel and i'm just gonna stick on your wheel and i'm gonna go as deep as i need to be and so maybe that was strategic on his part that he knew early in that race that if i go too deep now i may explode and knowing that it is it's a wide open course it's a very tactical course that like i have plenty of time to to catch back so i wonder if you kind of made that calculation like i can close this i don't need to blow myself up on the, on this one you know like right. if you're not the best climber and some dudes go but you know there's a descent that you can yeah. rail you'll you'll go hard you'll yep. go 87% 92% but you won't go all in cuz you know that you can catch back up on on the descent knowing that if you go all in you're just gonna you're gonna blow up. I 100% think that was it because yeah, like you said, that course provides and like Swex a little bit bigger guy. There's a couple little you know slight downhill things. You shift up down one gear, you get a little more speed, you get the inertia going. Yeah, and also like I think that like had to really mess with Ellie mentally that he could not drop Swex on that climb. Like I mean. And he said, you know, post-race interview going to the sprint, he's like 80, 20, I thought 80% swag was going to win. <laughs> and it's like, damn, dude. All right. Like, good job for pulling that one out then. Yeah. I thought when you talked about their faces, I thought you were going to say that swag was like grimacing with a pain face and Ailey looks at him and is like, what are you doing here? How did you get here? What's going on? You were supposed to be dropped. <laughs> like, this was my move. Now I have to like race you down, down the stretch. Um, yeah, I wonder, you know, I, I, it seems like Ailey also seems happy that Sweck is kind of like a foil, uh, to him. He mentioned that after track, that it just seems like everyone's happier with the new setup and the new dynamic. Um, but it's probably part, starting him 
playing poker too. He's not going to be like, yeah, I thought I was going to win the sprint. <laughs> but yeah, that quote was pretty funny. He's like, oh, 80, 20 and, you know, pulled around him just at the end. It would have been awesome to see Swack win that sprint. I think it would just been a great story uh, and a great moment, but still two second place finishes, you know, at Waterloo, he had a bad start and he showed that he was clearly the second strongest man in that field by just riding through the chase group and getting into second, almost catching, coming within a few seconds of catching Ailey uh, here, in it, up there, whatever. I mean, signs are good that like this is going to be a different Lawrence Swack that we're seeing this season. And I know like there are a lot of Swack stands out there. We love Swack. This is one of the most exciting things coming out of these two races for me. Is like I don't even know if I can say he's back because like he's never raced at this this level that we've seen in recent years because he's just been on that sauce thing that's been going on so like a new swack a new i can't think of a swack pun off the top of my head i yeah i don't know either but i just want to say that like yeah swack is like he's been so mercurial in the past it's sort of up and down you know someday he like phones it in some days he goes for it and he's just he's coming out strong like bad start of waterloo uh not fayetteville boom right to the front immediately like i'm not I'm not losing Ellie's will. If he's going to go, I'm going to be there, like going off the front a little bit, just to just test things out. Like, yeah, totally, do, totally different rider. Love to see it. Um, I want to give a shout out to a new, a new tune, another, another tone stepping in in place of our tone arts is tune Vandebosch going ham a bunch, like been like, I need to fill the gap of you know a vanquished tone and and here i am to just attack as many times as i can shout out yeah it was like a young rider at one of those road races that has the most combative racer jersey or a you know an award for most combative rider and he's like hey y'all i'm gonna win that award i mean he attacks yeah from the beginning and got like a pretty sizable gap where everyone's probably like looking around or whatever <laughs> like what's this guy doing but then he just kept doing it like things come back you know he made another ill-fated attack when the group kind of came back together he tried and i think he just didn't have enough left that his attack lasted from like leaving the start finish straight to roughly the barriers was how long that one lasted right but he gave it a go yeah. it was good to see yeah, I mean, you know, someone from Alpecin De- Dekoenig on the men's team has to sort of like, you know, get the jersey out there since uh, who knows when Matthew is coming back. So, yeah, good to see I mean, that. So then to close this off, I mean, we got to do what y'all came here for. We've got to talk about it. Historic day. Um, were you surprised? I mean, I it's, it's funny because, again... You know, I was at the Chicago Cross Cup race and I was like, I'll come back and watch this. And I managed to I think I managed to like watch the entire women's race. And then I was like excited. But I'm like, oh, I have to send out results. So I have to look at the results. I'm like looking through. I'm like, oh, it says, does that say Eric Brunner in fourth? And I was like, (laughs) cool. He finally did it. I don't know. I, I guess for me, you know, I've just I've said it that I've and maybe I've only said this privately that I think that I look at him as perhaps our best chance of getting a North American rider in in recent years I think he just has complete skill set uh despite all of his issues with mechanicals and crashes and stuff that he's been having this year uh I, you know I think he is just to me the rider who has a really good chance at being that North American who pulls off like a podium in a European race so I guess I wasn't surprised but you know maybe a little bit surprising that it happened this soon I mean he's still pretty young I think we forget that sometimes 
I mean, research, like, what was it like in the venue? Like, being there where, because it was a big group, I, and we've seen, we've seen races, but, you know, Hyde was good at this. There'd be a big group, and Hyde would be there, you know, when we were peak Hyde, and then he'd end up finishing 10th or 11th, 12th or whatever. But, like, so early right. on, yeah, okay. But then, like, when was it, like, wait a second, it looks like that ugly Pan Am's kit. It's in the mix there. What was it like at the venue? <laughs> yeah. I I think I think you could feel it. Um, you could hear it when he was coming by, and yeah, definitely in the beginning of the race is like, oh, okay, good. Like there's a big, big group all race. You know, this is like road racing. I love these giant groups. Um, Curtis was in there for a minute, kind of off the back later, but but he, but um, Eric was still in there, and at one point though, I saw him kind of get gapped on the on the electric avenue climb about midway through the race and i was like okay yeah that makes sense like he's gonna fall off now like he good he stuck it in there for a while um he'll get that 10th or 11th spot then all of a sudden he was he was back in the group and then you hear the crowd roar and he's you know chasing in fourth solo and I admit that, like, I was shooting and I was sort of, like, in my head about the, the locations I wanted to be, where I wanted to catch the race, how I'm going to fit this in before the finish. And I kind of, like, I kind of missed it that, like, he was doing so well um, until really the end. Until, until actually he was chasing and got really close, the crowd definitely got into it. That was cool to see. You heard Ellen Noble on the mic, Johnny Sunt on the mic, getting stoked for him, getting the crowd whipped up. So... And then, like we were in the we're in the press room post race, immediately dumping photos, and he's he's doing the interview. Uh, we're like, oh shit, they interviewed Eric, and I'm like, oh, that's right, he got fourth. And then then we all kind of started thinking, like, oh, that's 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 the best result, right? Like that's it, right? Everybody's like kind of thinking and looking, asking, and then and the announcer says it, and we're like, okay, I mean, great job. It's just like it kind of like I admittedly was not totally in the moment, um, and so watching the race last night may help help me enjoy it and sort of appreciate what he did yeah more. bill described it as a uh, sneaky four because i was like bill i need some picks and he's like i don't know how many i have it was a sneaky fourth but that's just wild i mean we've been at these races where um you know a, a north american will be in like 10th and the announcers would be like oh my god he's in 10th place like yeah, this is incredible, you know, and we've seen it before. Like, you know, everyone, we had a commenter who was like, why aren't you just going crazy? Because Brunner finished 11th at Waterloo. And then he finishes fourth. And we're just like, oh, shit. He finished fourth. Yeah. We didn't even notice that. So it's just funny that we've had years of like building up really performances that we've really put our foot down at the media pit we're not going to celebrate a 10th place finish like we expect more and then we finally get one which is legit you know a fourth place finish and everyone's just like yeah uh uh we forgot we didn't even notice (laughs) i just think it's kind of funny i mean it was hard it was such a good race at the front too like you know you had that front three racing really well so yeah i mean it was like i said Go back and watch it. Helps you appreciate it more. I guess if you watched it online, then you saw it all play out. Um, when you're in the venue, like it's always sometimes it's hard to capture the actual story um, completely in that sense. Um, but you know, I was thinking about this. This I think this was sort of the perfect venue for Bruner to pull off the top result, right? Like it wasn't super dusty like on Friday um, where he crashed, 
but it is very much, you know, the road racing style to extent as much as a cross race can be in terms of like some wide open lanes, just lots of power. And we know Brunner is so fast, so strong, you know, Jingle Cross when he crashed and came back up and sort of got on the podium there. Like we know he can do it if he stays upright. And I think this is really sort of like perfectly was his spot to get that that get, get that yeah, and he place. has a long history i mean he is a collegiate road race national champion he has a long history of racing uh on the road and so he has that that tactical sense and you know talking to him he's like i played the tactics well i really kind of like stuck in the group but he also understood where the pinch points were so he knew kind of where he needed to put in efforts and i kind of wonder i mean this is this is a way throwback and also a shout out to uh your partner emily uh you know he knew that he could close those gaps and so he was like he must have known that he was stronger he's like i knew i was the strongest one in that chase group and that's like a throwback to ailey Ezerbeat at track in 2019 when he's like yeah when you catch someone you keep attacking, you keep going, <laughs> you know? And I just remember because uh, Emily used that in a race. Like she mentioned it, that she used that in right. one of her races uh, using some, some Ailey insight, but he had to have known like, yeah, I closed these gaps repeatedly to this group and you know, they're all racing for fourth place. Like that doesn't mean any as much to them. They're just waiting for the last lap. And he's like, well, I'll just attack with two to go. And you know, he was able to, to make it stick. So yeah, it's your point. Like, we know he's good. It's weird. We know he's a good technical rider and he just keeps, he's been making so many mistakes and it's like, if he can eliminate the mistakes, we can see, you know, what, what he can do. And so right. hopefully he can eliminate those. But, you know, I guess I was writing about this in the bulletin. I, I think this sets the bar. I mean, I think this says Curtis, Eric, you know, why didn't podium finishes right in Europe? I think that's the yeah. the new standard that, that we should, hold them to so yeah if he goes to europe and finishes eighth it's like oh that's pretty cool it's probably still like one of the best finishes ever uh for a north uh, american male in a european race but i that's the level they want to be at like i think that sets the standard winding a podium like he needs to do it i you know i'm will be disappointed if if, if brunner does not at some point finish on a podium in europe yeah, I was thinking about that sort of what the, you know, the, so some of our best results from the American men have been in the States. Um, Gage, what got sixth at Fayetteville eighth, last year? Yeah, eighth, yeah. Eighth, you know, Jeremy Powers was, was he sixth at Cross Vegas then? Is that what I'm thinking at the World yep. Cup? Yeah. So I still think maybe Jay Pow has the best result in Europe at a World Cup. He was, um, Again, it's not Tabor. I'm thinking. I'm, I'm blanking he, on. I the think Citadel he finished. Like, did he finish like eighth or something at Namur or like sixth at Namur? Namur. I think he got okay. like seventh at Namur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'll be. Yeah, let's let's see, Eric. Get that wide angle in Europe. We're rooting for you, buddy. I know you're not going until after Christmas. I'm glad you're sticking out through the American uh, season. I think the announcer was a little surprised when he said that, and then it's like, no, oh, man. He's got, he's got, we got some races here still. We're not done in the States yet. Like, I know you're all leaving. The big party has moved over to Europe, but we got some yeah, races I going mean, we on. We don't have big cash to be spending months and months in Europe. Like, you can only spend 90 days in the Schlieffen zone. You know, there, there's limitations. Like, <laughs> but, you know, also, he's still young and, um, you know, wants to 
the USCX is really important to him. I appreciate that about him and Curtis. They're like, this is super duper important that this series is successful, you know, North American cross. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, blue is doing a nice job. They're building a team, but like, if he keeps pulling the results, yeah, it's like, yeah, like a couple of years from now, we want to see him racing massive blocks in Europe. Like, you know, but he's not there yet. He's only won one national championship. Uh, I know I'm personally excited about Pan Am's. I mean, it was great having Vinny here. I think probably some of Brunner's success is due to Vinny just raising everyone's level that they had to race on. But man, I'm so stoked to see Brunner and Curtis. And I really hope Pan Am's delivers. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I hope that's a good one. I'm excited. I hope. I don't want to hype it too much. Me too. I'm, ex- I'm ex- you know, like we did when Blevins race cross last year, but I'm super stoked to see those two guys go to head to head at Pan Am's. Yeah, I'm excited to get a little little taste of uh, NECX. So looking forward to making it out. All right. Bill told us 45 minutes. <laughs> I know we we went away over we it. Combo. There was a lot to talk about. Um, this was, you know, we, we obviously miss Bill. I think it's clearly not the the same without him, but. Uh, this was a fun way to send, spend our Friday morning. Uh, we've got World Cup Tabor coming up this weekend. We're, uh, Cincinnati Cyclocross is the domestic race. Uh, so hopefully, Michael will find a way to, to get Bill back in. He'll still be in Europe. I think he's going to be there through uh, the Copenburg Cross. Uh, so that's really cool. I'm super jealous. That's one of my favorite races that he gets to go to that. Um, yeah, hopefully we can get find a way to make the time zones work uh, that we can get Bill in next week. Yeah, must probably another morning yeah. i'm assuming okay which would work yeah. out for me yeah so you're gonna have to wake <laughs> yeah up really yeah soon. well uh i'm fortunately i'm at home I'm just gonna put the other laptop on i'm gonna go to work so uh bodie this was fun uh great coverage uh in the weekend in fayetteville thank and, you and uh talk to you soon and we'll uh i'll be seeing you in a couple weeks in in falmouth Dear cycling friends, we accept the fact that we have created the premier gravel and road racing podcast, and we don't think you're crazy to ask us who we think we are. You see us as you want to see us, in the simplest terms, in the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a hobby blogger, a gravel pro, and a curious newbie. And you can find us on the Wide Angle Podium Network. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours the Grodio Podcast.